This is for practitioners. And so if you're a listener right. and you're thinking about doing account scoring, this is the only 30 seconds that matters. You can ignore the whole rest of this podcast. Now, Alec <laughs> was far too chatty anyways. So, all right. So when you're doing account scoring. Alec, you almost spoke. You almost said something. Get in here. He, <laughs> he was wanted so to. Close. He wanted he was to. so close. Um, all right. So you're starting account scoring. First thing, and you guys can tell me if these five bullets are totally off. First thing, start with how you're going to use it. Define how you're going to use it before you even start the project. Super important because it gives you a target to aim for. Uh, second, start with customer data then. And, but loop in CS, not all of your customers. Loop in your CS team and narrow your customer audience to those customers who are using your product successfully because that's how you've found product market fit, right? Don't get overly narrow, but, but start there. Also look at lost deals, negative forecasting, so at-risk pipeline, um, and use that to, to contradict the, the other item. And then... Look at, look at a bunch of data points, but narrow it ultimately to three or four data points that are actually going to drive your account scoring. And, and like, it'll often be something like employee count, subset of industry, you know, right? Those, those sort of four data points that you can automate using a system like Clearbit or ZoomInfo. So that way you can get that data and make sure your accounts are continuously being scored and updated as companies change, which is very, very valuable and important. Integrate that in, make it automated. Very, very important. Um, and then finally... Implement this across your multiple teams, going back to how you wanted to use it in the beginning by clearly communicating the value and how it's calculated. Okay, everybody, welcome to, well, this week's one of the first episodes, not the first, but one of the first episodes of the OG Ops Podcast. I am your host. Jordan Henderson, and I am joined today by your other host, Brandon Redlinger. I'm gonna Brandon. I'm gonna give you the other host title instead of co-host or attendee. You're getting I got upgraded. Podcast. Appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate. Do you want to do a quick introduction? If there's like people who don't know who you are, because I think they probably are. You're not very popular. Well, why would people not know who I am at this point? No, hey guys, uh, Brandon Redlinger. I'm VP of Marketing over at Crosscheck, but your uh, your host for the little- OG Ops podcast. Yeah, co other host. Other, other host. The other, the other host. is very, okay, very okay. important. And nice little shout out for Crosscheck. Cool. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody. So this is the OG Ops Podcast, different to the RevOps Podcast, which Brandon and I used to, well, I used to host and Brandon used to be you know, sometimes there and added a little <laughs> bit of value. But we are back with a new podcast, OG Ops Pod. If you haven't listened to the other episodes, I'll do this like twice and then I'm going to be done talking about why we're doing this. But we're doing a new version of the Ops Podcast, which is focused on all ops, not just RevOps, because go-to-market ops, business ops, RevOps, sales ops, business ops, all, there's all sorts of ops things. And a lot of it is just title and we're all doing sort of the same work and working together. So, so we're covering it all, is what you're saying. CS ops. I don't want CS. anybody to feel neglected. SDR there's, there's ops. There's talent ops. All sorts of, there's all, yeah, the there's HR ops. There's all yeah, sorts yeah, of stuff. Exactly. You're in talent ops? That's weird. That, that's yeah, we, not we touched that. We're not doing that. One. Yeah, yeah. But everybody else, we want to provide a forum for actual practitioners, right? We're going to bring real people in that are doing this job on a day-to-day basis and talk about the things that they're working on and hopefully, you know, provide some value and help everybody out there who's actually day-to-day signing in and going to Salesforce, HubSpot, Pardot, Marketo, whatever tools you're using and doing the work, rolling up your sleeves and doing the thing. And we want to talk about how we can do that and hopefully help people with that. So that being said... I quickly 
before I introduce the other guests on the podcast. And sorry, they're looking so patient while they wait for me to get through this. But I quickly have to say, this is the first time I'll ever do this, so bear with me. This episode is brought to you by Gated. Yes. It is an awesome product. Brandon and I wow. are actually, I know, right? With his first words ever on the podcast, wow. <laughs> <laughs> is Gated is an awesome tool that helps keep your inbox clean. Uh, Brandon and I are actually both uh, on the advisory board for Gated. Super excited to to have them as a sponsor. And broadly speaking, what it does, it keeps the jabronis out of your email inbox. Super cool. And it's totally free. So head over to gated.com, check it out. I highly recommend it. It's super awesome. And Andy, who is the CEO of Gated, will be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Awesome dude. Super excited to have him back. That was my first ever promo. I did it. We're done. And now we're moving into the other guests. So of course, we have our producer, Alec, who is here today. You heard him say, wow, he will taunt me in the chat. Nobody cares. And I'm just kidding, Alec. I love you. Thank you for being here. And our real guest, Amanda Garza, Senior RevOps Manager, Loeb. Been there for seven years, which we just found out. Amanda, do you want to say hi and introduce yourself and stuff? Yeah. Hi. My name's Amanda. I work at Lob. Lob. I said it wrong again, didn't I? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Strong start. It's fine. I just learned it seven years late no but yeah i've been doing i've been doing ops things i've been doing non-ops things in those seven years too so just excited to talk to you guys today okay all right so then let's start there because now i'm curious seven years because you you and i did like a prep call but i didn't dive into your seven years at lob nailed it no big deal (laughs) finally Uh, got it so ops things and non-ops things take me through this what what is your background at lob how did you end up the senior rev ops manager yeah so i actually joined lob as an sdr um, okay, nice. Uh, nice. But I had worked at like Salesforce and a couple other like more mature startups before joining Lob. And when I joined Lob, they had just purchased Salesforce like months before I joined. And so the database was kind of a mess. We had a lot of like signups to our platform and the revenue team, which was just the sales team at that time, was doing nothing with those leads essentially. Nice. So you know, sales reps were working out of Zendesk. And I was like, okay. <laughs> As an okay. SDR, I'm a very just like in my normal life, a very like organized person. And so that was just like a trigger for me. <laughs> I was like, I need my data. I need, you know, I feel like as an SDR, you like need things to be clean and, you know, organized and you need to have a process and none of that was there. And so I think just out of necessity, I started doing a little bit of more ops focused projects and realized that that probably was more aligned with what I like to do. So then I was given the opportunity to move into an ops role, the only ops role. Wait, did they create the role or? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I mean, at the time we were a company of like 30 people total. So I feel like that's quite early to have like a sales ops person, but yeah. I love that. I love That's that. Awesome. Yeah. How many employees they really now? benefited from it? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many employees now at Lob? We're over two hundred now. Nice. So you've been ops there from thirty to two hundred. Well, so that's not all revenue team, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like yeah. You, you have been doing ops there from thirty to two hundred. Yeah. That's awesome. So that you were an SDR, you just expanded our target audience to all the SDRs, and those guys yeah. are just yeah. crazy on LinkedIn. So it's huge. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, SDRs go into ops. <laughs> Forget sales. I think it's a great move for <laughs> no, SDRs. Yeah. We did a, a year ago, we did a whole episode on how SDRs should go into ops because I, I think it's I like think so. one of, it's such a good transition, especially if you're like 
mildly OCD, which Amanda, it sounds like you might be. Able right. To. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you really like, you know, organization and process and like clean data, then think about ops. Ops is the place yeah. for you. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like if you're sitting as an SDR thinking, oh, if this list of you was this way, or if I had a report that said this, it would help my role so much better. Yeah, you mm-hmm. might you might be in the wrong role right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just cool. love that companies are they give people options other than just straight from SDR to AE these days. I think it's a smart move for companies. Yeah. I see more people not going to sales from SDR. Yeah. Well, and there's two things that had to happen there, right? Like one, Amanda, you had to, you know, lean into your ops side to sort of create this role for yourself. And the other one is the company had to recognize your skill set. They had, were looking around going, oh, she's do this. This would be really helpful for everybody. Like, that's incredible. That's, that's how you end up growing from 30 to 200 because you have that openness. That's awesome. Yeah. So anything else? What do we need to know about you, Amanda? Mm, that's not it, really. All right, that's it. Yeah. Okay, we then good to go. Are, are we done with the podcast? I'm just that's kidding. it. That's the whole yeah, episode, that's actually. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And we'll see everybody next week. <laughs> <laughs> Record for shortest, shortest ops podcast. It was 10% of pitch brigaded the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, Andy. Oh. How much is it? Are you a user? I'll, I'll be, yeah. yeah, I'm a user. Yes. Um, you know, keeps my inbox mostly clean. So, yep. yeah. I still, it, it, you know, people internally that email me and I'm just like, why? Why, 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 why can't Gated just charge yeah. them to contact me too? Yeah. Only yeah. Gated could just block all of my emails. We'll, we'll pitch it to Andy on when he's on the episode if he can, if they can make an internal version of the tool where if you want that fixed, you have to donate to this charity. I love <laughs> that. like for ops, that would be awesome. Awesome. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Amanda, you're a real practitioner. You came from an SDR to ops. You've been in ops for how many years then? Five, six years? No, um, like, yeah, six and a half. Nice. Okay. Yeah. What are you working on right now? The One of the bigger projects that I'm working on right now is account scoring and territory, territories, just territories. We don't have any, <laughs> just, so <laughs> yeah, just putting some in place. But the first step in that is account scoring. So big project. Got it. All right. So then today we're going to talk about account scoring. That's that's our topic. We can talk about territories too, but it sounds like account scoring is where we're going to go. Let's uh, do it. So who wants to uh, define account scoring for us, Brandon? Just sure. Uh, account scoring. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's something I have a little. Tell me, come on, with. tell me you were ready for this. That I was oh, going to call. All right, I, I was going to yeah. say fifty episodes together later. I've cold cold called you to find things every single episode. <laughs> what do you want, the Jonathan answer? Account scoring is when you score accounts. Who's Jonathan? That guy doesn't right. exist he's, anymore. He's completely irrelevant at this yeah. point. You're right. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's a prioritization mechanism, right? It's similar to lead scoring, but you're doing that at the account level. And it's basically, it serves as a proxy for an account's propensity to buy. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. We can accept that. Amanda, anything you want to add to that? <laughs> no, I think that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed yeah, it. that's fair. Yeah. Well, I'll let you slam dunk that one. Uh, Alec <laughs> said he has nothing to add either. Are you sure, Alec? You don't want to like chime in here? Some... All right. They can't see you nod, just so you know. But... I can, and that's who matters. I know. Cool. All right. So, account scoring, Amanda. What? You going, where are you at in the process? Are you just starting? Are you partway through? Where are you at? Where am I? Um, probably just staring at a list of accounts. <laughs> okay. All right. Starting so with what, the account what, building. So, okay. what's the primary issues you're running into? What is preventing this, or what are your blockers right now? So, I think some of the blockers that I'm having are just 
What we're doing right now is we're looking at all of our accounts that have purchased in the past, some of which I would argue are maybe not necessarily our ideal customer. And so I think that is a problem. That's problem number one. So if we're looking at just accounts that have bought Lobs product, I don't necessarily think that's maybe the most ideal way to go about it. So that's like step one is like we're looking there and trying to look at some of the maybe similarities between those accounts. That's a strong, that's 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 a strong starting point of a, of a blocker, right. For a first time doing account scoring. Cause yeah, like the, the natural instinct is look at my customers and what do they look like? That's what my accounts should look like that I'm talking to. What, but uh, y'all are relatively early customer side customer base is probably a mixed bag of people that were friends with the ceo who are still customers and people <laughs> who like, we've all been at that company right where it's uh, yeah 30 percent oh, of the com- yeah. customers are friends because the ceo and the coo went out and sold it to them and it was they're not necessarily who you should be targeting the uh, amount of nepotism in like SaaS it's, it's high it's continues high. to surprise me it continues oh, to surprise it never goes away yeah exactly yeah. So then I guess the next question, Amanda, so are you, do you have your, like your ideal customer profile defined? I think we have maybe a customer persona that the marketing team wants to look after. (laughs) Marketing team wants to. Yeah, but. Well, when you say it like that, like I I, I do think like one of the big challenges that I've always had is like, there's a big difference between who your customers or, or like who an ideal persona is versus like a wish list. People have just like a wish list of people who I want to be my customer and I'm going to make that my customer persona where they're not doing what you're doing, going back and looking at actual data and saying, here's where we won, here's where we lost, and here's where like this is a good lookalike account. And then yeah. while you're going through that process, I, I think a big piece that a lot of customer or a lot of um, people miss is actually involving the CS team on that. And yeah. I've, I've said it on the on the podcast before, but it's like, there's sure that's there's what's on paper, but there's so much that's not on paper that your success team knows about. Like this t- this account is the biggest pain in my ass because they're always asking for service or they're pinging me 10 times a day or their you know, connection with this one system took 90% of my time. So always get your success team involved early and often with your ID- ICP and your like account lookalike audiences. Yeah, I think it's because um, I, I I love where you're starting, Amanda. I love the mm-hmm. idea of like, go look at your customers. What do they look like? Then go find people in the market who look similar, right? That's a pretty standard process. But then you run into the same issue where you're like some of these aren't necessarily who we should be going after. We've, we've proven we can't be successful in education, even though we have two customers in education, right? So you'll start to disqualify some of those things. But Brandon, to your point, go to your CS team and find out, well, you should ideally be tracking this in your CRM, but... What customers are actually successfully using your product? Get to find success with a customer. Yeah, who's using it well and say you have 500 customers and you narrow it down to the 250 who are actually using it well. Get rid of the other 250. They're not using it. They're not your ideal customer. Your ideal customer is somebody who's actually going to use your product because that's stickiness, right? And then take It might not be the person who's paying you the most money. It It might not be. You hope it it is, but it might not be. It often isn't. (laughs) It often isn't. But- but you're not, yeah. But you're not doing it for contract size necessarily. That's not the overarching goal. It's a component of the goal. But you're you're doing it to to be more targeted in your your advertising, be more targeted in your cold outbound, right? Like that's how you're using account scoring. So so go find the most successful customers, and then what do they have in common? 
and and then I would look at well, like actually, I'll ask you this in a minute. What are you looking at when you're looking at? Hey, here's my. So assume you've narrowed it down, right? Because you're still looking at customers. What are the data points that you're you're looking for, or or, or how you're building that out on, right? To to identify what they have in common. So I mean, we're looking at I think like pretty standard things like the employee size, the industries, the like location. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things that we're also trying to see if there's commonalities like industry type. So like Mm. whether they're B2B, B2C, D2C. That one is Um, so important. Actually, people miss that all the time. And I think that's really valuable for you to touch on because people will say like, yeah, we're like education or hospitality. I always see hospitality. Like we target hospitality. Hospitality is so broad. Like there's B2B and B2C across the board in that industry. Right. And those are wildly different things. And so the the industry type is so valuable. I think it's more valuable than maybe necessarily like industry itself, because for example, like every company, like talking about SaaS, like every company is software and or whatever software is, right? So like that doesn't mean much because, you know, like Lob is very different from, I don't know, some other fintech platform, right? But we probably are both marked as or software and technology services, so... That's kind of where my mind went. But I mean, those are probably the biggest ones that we're looking at right now. And we're kind of trying to narrow on that. But I'm open to ideas. I know. I I think you're totally on the right path. Absolutely. I think you're actually 100% doing the right thing. I've seen this. I work with like 38 companies right now. I see this across these companies all the time. They try to get overly complex with their ICP you end up with Frankenstein's monster, right? Like it is just a mess of scoring. It doesn't really work. It's not effective. It doesn't need to be that targeted yet. And also you're not, a lot of them are early stage, totally sure what your product market fit is yet. You've got a rough scope on it, but you need to narrow it. And so you need to be overly inclusive a little bit to make sure you're not missing gaps. And so I I like the idea of using three or four broad data points in an ICP at at early stage, something like revenue, employee count, industry subset, and I mean, hell, use case, if you can define it or something like that, mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that is relatively powerful, right? Like that already takes your target audience down to like 10% of what it was previously and keeps it simple, keeps it elegant, and you are overly inclusive so you can continue to narrow as you go. So I, I think you're doing exactly the right thing. I can't think of other data sets that I would throw in there right now. Brandon, anything? Well, these are all like firmographic data, right? But there's also probably one big one. It's technographic data, mm. which matters more to some companies over others, but probably pretty relevant for SaaS companies. But it's what are other technologies that your companies, that uh, your ideal customers are using, right? So yes. it's, for Crosscheck, like we care a lot about which, a, which HR system and which ATS system you're using. So I want to make sure that we pump that uh, technographic data into all of our systems. Yeah, totally. Especially if you're built on another platform, right? Like say you're built on Salesforce, for instance. (laughs) You you only want to sell people that have Salesforce. Pretty straightforward. (laughs) You can conclude that. Yeah, so if it is, yeah, that's that's a great point. I often forget about that one because it doesn't seem to be that important to me these days. I'm not at that company anymore. So uh. (laughs) (laughs) one that, is that to me is actually intent data. Like so many people put so much emphasis on intent Ugh. data. I'm like, man, like it's so actually show me correlation to actual business outcomes when you're yeah. looking at high intent scores. Like it honestly, it's just not there. It's not right. there. 
I am never. We are never going to get sponsored by Six Sense or Bombora because I am never going to speak highly of Intent Data on this podcast because <laughs> it's just it's just yeah. it's expensive and I've never seen the ROI on it. And the setup yeah. is time consuming for your marketing ops team. It's just, I just don't like it. I don't like it at yeah, all. Now that I don't work at one of those companies, I can say those things. Yeah, now you can do it. Cool. Okay. So, so we're 0% helpful for you on that point, Amanda. You're already <laughs> oh, doing no, right. I do have a question because part of, I feel like part of your definition was a, an accounts intent to buy. Um, a propensity to buy. Propensity to buy. Yeah. So is that just, so the way that, I, that we're going about it is like aligned with that definition still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there are other indicators. So, yeah. I mean, after we're looking at like, well, okay. So one thing actually we didn't talk about yet, which I think a lot of companies miss too, is like close loss data. Let's actually mm. look at the data that we're losing or the accounts that we're losing and also look at conversion percentage on whether it's industries or certain segments of the market. Uh, because we were, we were actually just going through an exercise here where someone on my team said, okay, we win this many deals in this industry. I said, okay, how many did we lose? Oh, we didn't look at that yet. So yeah. what if we're winning a lot, but we're also losing a lot at the same time, whereas there's another industry that we're winning a good amount, but we hardly ever losing. That to me is a better account to go after. So let's divert my team's energy over to this other industry. So we might not have as many wins under the belt, but our actual conversion percentage is way higher. So like, let's look at our closed loss data as well. So hopefully your team is capturing good closed loss data in your CRM. They're not all just picking the top reason on the pick list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of other, but there's a lot of you got to you got to get rid of the other. So, so I know, I know, but then it like (laughs) I've done it, and then you know someone on the team is like, no, we really need it, and I'm like, so so what what you do with an other is you create a dependent field that if they select other, they have to type like a minimum of a hundred. Oh, they do, yeah. But so then they always select other, and then I read their definition, and I'm like, no, that really fits into this category. By the way, I've done this like six times i legitimately yeah. make the top reason on a pick list i'm an idiot and people will still <laughs> I love select that yeah. they, no, they just, you'll see it'll always be like one or two people and they'll pick you'll be like why do you have 43 i'm an idiots i'm like they just, they <laughs> just pick the top reason and it's oh, like no. i know you want to be mad at me but you can't be because i'm mad at you you did this oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is gold it will shock you if you do. I feel it. like that's a great, like, small way for ops to just have a. Oh, you got to be passive aggressive in the yeah. ops, <laughs> right? <laughs> you have to be passive aggressive in this role. There's going to be like it's half, half of the audience ops. is going to listen to that and be like, oh, he's a monster. And I am totally. That's actually. Totally <laughs> yeah, they're going to say he's a monster and I love it. Yeah. And I wish I could be him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't, but you can do that. You can. Do that. <laughs> I mean, I do have the keys to right, Salesforce, right? But, no, yeah. And if you do right. it for like a week, and anybody like people will see it and they'll laugh at it, and then like the VP of Sales will see it and they'll be like, "Why'd you do this?" And then you show them a report where somebody picked it twenty-two times, and you're like, "This is why." I'll just have them listen to this episode, and I'll say I got the idea yeah. from Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Blame it on Jordan. Also, exactly. totally fair. Also, the totally fair. Yeah. We will be sponsored by Lob before you know it. Is what <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. okay. The, the other thing I was going to mention too, your own first party engagement data, I think is off. I mean, that is way better than intent data. Yeah. So yeah. how much are people at that account engaging with your content over time? And who at that account is engaged yeah. with your content? And what type of content are they actually engaging? I know the that's type, a, that's a the lot of The type is work. really important though. 
the type yeah. is extremely important because otherwise it's, it falls into the realm of intent data where that's it's the problem I have with intent data where they say like nine people from this company were on your website. And yeah, because we hosted a webinar and nine of them attended. That doesn't mean that there's high intent at that account. It means nothing. Right, right. Right. Like it just means we had a valuable webinar. It's great. Or it's awesome. an intern that downloaded or requested a demo. Like, the, yeah, sorry, I think matter. we have to, we almost like owe it to zoom back because we talked about propensity and intent and oh, intent data companies tend to talk about these two things as if they're the same thing. And they're not <laughs> propensity right. is this person looks like somebody who you might be able to sell to, right? They look like a current customer. They look like somebody where you have product market fit. So there's a likelihood that if you sell to them and get them at the right time and do the thing, you could get them to buy. Whereas intent is a signal that they're actually in the market, actively trying to buy a product like yours Two wildly different things. Propensity is really powerful for something like account. Intent data is way too elaborate for most companies. And, and also I just don't believe it really works that well right now, but Felt like I, I, when you said it, I was like, I feel like I have to define this because no, I've I feel like this, that was a good definition. <laughs> and I feel like I sit on the six. I've been on that sales calls with intent data companies. Like, yeah, they have propensity to buy. Like, that's not you're using it wrong. You're doing it wrong, and you're confusing people. Words matter. Like Words, Words matter a lot. Ra- you Ra- can't talk to an ops person yeah. and not be clear on your definitions. Yes. Rachel Nazan had a whole post today about words mattering, and I loved it because I was like, nomenclature is so important in what we do. So important. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm like one of those people in meetings where people will say like, well, they'll say something and I'm like, okay, I just want to be clear that (laughs) what you're saying is not true for these reasons. (laughs) What you actually mean is this. Not that I don't agree with you. I just want you to know the words that you're using are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I do it greatly, though. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have to. Okay. Account scoring. So where we're at right now is we've taken the customer accounts and we've said, here's the 500 that we have total. Here's the 250. We're actually successfully using our product. And now we're comparing the eight different data sets to see where there's correlation, including to your point, Amanda, that's going to get cut out of the episode because the audio is all wonky. But your point that will get cut out was that you have to use the negative scoring of people who aren't using it well or at risk or lost deals. By the way, negative forecasting is a really powerful thing. So you should actually do this for your current pipeline. Have your reps go through the pipeline and say, why are deals at risk? Rate those and then use that to inform your account scoring is very powerful because you can see this type of customer, this type of sub-industry is typically at risk because of this. And that's not a thing we're good at solving. And so we don't want to include them, right? It's a really powerful thing. Really easy to implement. Highly recommend it. And you'll blow people's minds because nobody's ever heard of it. So you take that to your internal team and they're like, oh, negative forecasting. Like, ooh, that sounds fun. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is great, right? It's great. This is how you impress. So you've done all that. You've narrowed it down. You got the four, three or four. You're good to go. Now you got to build it. Get it in there. You do you guys have like a Zoom info? What's your data? Where are you getting the data from? Yes. Yeah, so we have we have Zoom info, we have Clearbit enrichment, and we kind of just use both. You know, okay. whatever Clearbit can't fill, we fill. Man, you, your database has to look stuff. good with double enrichment going on. Yeah. I mean, not people don't think so, but <laughs> I mean, it's never enough. Get outside of your yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. compared to everybody else in the world who isn't. Yeah, you're sitting pretty good. Yeah. I think it's like fairly clean. You know, I think it gets a little more complicated because we have our um, our product data as well. And the way that our product mm. database is structured actually interferes with some of the like prospect and revenue data. Um mm. But that's for another day. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole. That's a whole rabbit yeah. hole. So, 
Yeah. So you've got you've got the data enrichment done, so you can build the scoring automated in your system, mm-hmm. right? You can score off the field, mm-hmm. you're automatically being filled out. And now we have to get to the thing that I think we probably should have started with because I would start every account scoring project with this. How are we going to use it? And we have to define that. And I would typically, we totally messed this up, entirely my fault. I typically start every project with how are we going to use account scoring before we actually worry about doing the account scoring. So how are you going to use it? What are you going to do with this data? Right. So I think the thinking here is that in tandem with some sort of new territory model, we want to focus people on the accounts that have a greater propensity to buy within their territories. So I think that's how we plan to use this data. So sales team, is the marketing team going to use it as well with that same same approach? Ideally, yeah. I would, I would hope they do. Well, you gotta, you, I, think, <laughs> I think you got to make them, right? I mean, I can have a conversation with them. Can I make them do anything? Not really. Here's the thing. If they see sales pipeline, you know, going up, maybe maybe they'll be convinced by the account scoring. <laughs> Well, one of the the easy ways to do that for marketers is, and I'll let Brandon talk to it more, is actually to show them like, hey, here's all the accounts where you've generated leads in the past X number of days. And here's how that breaks out from the account storing standpoint. If you do this mm-hmm. right, hopefully there's already, they're already doing pretty well, right? Like most of the people that are converting are A's and B's already. And therefore they'll see it and go, oh yeah, like we should actually just focus on the A's and B's and maybe C's and that's going to help us increase our numbers. But yeah, you can back it up with data, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. It should be too. And, and I, I really like the, you know, original Engageo engagement minute model and you know now is is over at demand based but basically you're saying so like the, the problem with lead scoring is like a lead score is such an arbitrary number right they have a lead score of you know 52 okay what, what does that cool. actually mean cool. yeah right actually definitions varies. matter <laughs> yeah exactly Defini- like- definitions are the foundation <laughs> of our society yeah. <laughs> that's true and, <laughs> yeah, a 52 might mean something for my company where where it's something completely different for Jordan's company and for your company, right? So that, mm-hmm. that's why I really like, again, originally Engageo's model, but now at demand base, where if you say they have 52 minutes of engagement, okay, that actually is something real. They've engaged with us for 52 minutes now. And then we can actually start to say, okay, who's engaging with us? And we can weight that model, right? If it's If it's a VP buying group, then we can say, okay, give that one and a half times the score. If it's an intern, maybe you get like 0.1 or point, you know, like a you fraction You get zero if it's an intern. You get zero. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't I, get I, any I don't wanna... points if it's an intern. <laughs> I'm going to give like a little, a little no, credit. No, you get nothing. Like you get zero credit. credit. <laughs> They're not going to be at the company too much. Like definitionally, they will be <laughs> yeah. gone by the time you even get to well, like a man, demo. You never know. <laughs> you sound like a marketer right now. Like, yeah, really, there's this intern who attended a webinar that wasn't even a topic about our product, but like it's totally a good lead. <laughs> but then you can also look, score and weight different types of content. So if it's a later stage piece of content, it might be again one and a half. It's a very top of funnel. It might just be a plain one, you know, one one to one comparison. And then you can look at actual engagement on meetings on the calendar. If someone has a thirty minute meeting with you, let's give them thirty minutes of engagement. So we can actually start to define what actual engagement is, what an actual account score is. And then we can roll that up to something like 
a marketing qualified account or a sales qualified account, right? Similar to your MQL, but you're just doing it at the account level. And then once they hit these certain thresholds, it's, it indicates to your sales team or your outbound team that this is an account that is, has that much higher propensity. Mm. Let me go out. Outbound after them right nice, now. Nice, nice, right word. What, that right is usage. the word of this podcast. It is the word of this podcast. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, okay. So yes, the title's I'm, I'm, not I'm, propensity to buy. <laughs> account propensity. <laughs> so propensity versus intent will just piss off six cents tomorrow. I love it. I just love it so much. <laughs> but um, I have an axe to grind always, as, as you guys know. Okay, so before I drive us forward, I want to drive us forward because somebody here has to be a responsible adult. What, uh, Amanda, is there anything else about account scoring that you wanted to talk about today? I don't think so. I think I feel validated. <laughs> okay, all right. At least starting the project right, so that's yeah. good. Because, you know, I don't come from an ops background. I come from an SDR. I think, you're, I think you're 100% on the right track. I think you're doing it exact. Your approach is right. I think you're going to get there, and it's going to be super valuable. And I'm going to just do a quick five takeaway synopsis of this conversation, because this is for practitioners. And so if you're a listener right. and you're thinking about doing account scoring, this is the only 30 seconds that matters. You can ignore the whole rest of this podcast. <laughs> Alec was far too chatty anyways. So, so when you're doing account scoring, Alec, you almost spoke. You almost said something. Get in here. He, <laughs> he was wanted so to. close. He, wanted he was to. so close. So you're starting account scoring. First thing, and you guys can tell me if these five bullets are totally off. First thing, start with how you're going to use it. Define how you're going to use it before you even start the project. Super important because it gives you a target to aim for. Second, start with customer data then. But loop in CS, not all of your customers. Loop in your CS team and narrow your customer audience to those customers who are using your product successfully because that's how you found product market fit, right? Don't get overly narrow, but start there. Also look at lost deals, negative forecasting, so at-risk pipeline, and use that to, to contradict the, the other item. And then look at a bunch of data points, but narrow it ultimately to three or four data points that are actually going to drive your account scoring. And, and it'll often be something like employee count, subset of industry, those sort of four data points that you can automate using a system like Clearbit or ZoomInfo. So that way you can get that data and make sure your accounts are continuously being scored and updated as companies change, which is very, very valuable and integrate that in, make it automated very, very important. And then finally, implement this across your multiple teams, going back to how you wanted to use it in the beginning by clearly communicating the value and how it's calculated. And I think that last beat we didn't really talk about, but it's super important, is when you go through your account scoring, this is actually one of the reasons why I recommend people limit it to three or four data points, is if you cannot explain to me how account scoring works in less than a minute, I am not going to use it. And that is just true of executives in general, right? Like the typical rule, Greg, Greg Poirier, I think, told Brandon, you and I this six months ago. If you can't explain it to an executive in under a minute, they've tuned out because they have too much totally. going on. They're just And so you limit it three or four points, make a clear, concise argument, use some data to stand it up and justify using it cross-functionally and cross-departmentally so that your teams are aligned to this thing and make sure that you've got that practice and it's down to a minute. Do all those five things, boom, you've got account scoring. Heck yeah. Did I get it? Is those bullets good? I think that is a perfect synopsis. Amanda, anything I missed? Yeah, I think that's like a good, I'm just going to take those five bullet points and go. Run with All them. right, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah. this, this is productive. We're coming up with this yeah. as we go. This is helpful. Heck yeah. Yeah, like this, is, this is good for me. I'm, I'm going to take those five bullet points and implement them in a bunch of companies. It's great. But uh, cool. So then I'm driving us forward because you guys are chatty. <laughs> we have to go. We have to go to the final segment. It's time for This Week on LinkedIn. 
Finally. Everybody's favorite segment. And Alec, moving forward, <laughs> I'm going to have you read this week on LinkedIn for us, actually. because Oh, I like that. Because I, I haven't read them, and I want somebody to choose which one we're actually going to do. Okay. Um, the way this historically worked for everybody who used to know is I would get like... 20 messages a week with questions on LinkedIn and I would pick from those questions, ones that were topic related and we would ask them to our guests and ourselves and, and then we would just answer them off the cuff. But I was prepped always. Nobody else was ever prepped. Now we're doing it more Not blindly. true. Not true. I was always prepped. I was always prepped <laughs> because I read them the day of always. But I read them five minutes before. So. Yeah, that's true. But we're doing a couple of things differently. First, I haven't read them this time. Anna Aldred is collecting them on my behalf and sending them over. And I am not reading them until the moment we're ready. So everybody is totally unprepared, which would make this far more fun. And also, she's going to work in cringe posts from LinkedIn on occasion. <laughs> so when she sees a post that is, and by the way, I'm sorry for saying her name because now I'm realizing that people are going to be really mad at her for sending over cringe <laughs> yeah. posts that they sent. That's why you asked her to do it, huh? <laughs> it is 100%. So people can't be mad at you. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where we'll have Alec read them. And we have no idea what we're going to get <laughs> and we will then react to the cringe post because I think that will be also fun. And there's a lot of cringe on LinkedIn. It's linked cringe, you know? You can't nod, Amanda. It's podcast. Got to. Sorry. You yes. Gotta get the, yes. Gotta get the <laughs> verbal. Yes. I, I, I nodded. The, <laughs> I need the verbal affirmation <laughs> that you're that you're here with me. Okay. All right. So, wow. Really, the first one is a Brandon question. So, Brandon. You've been a part of getting meaningful guests on the podcast. I contest this, by the way, because our no, podcast, you did true. nothing to get the guests on the podcast. It was all Alec or me for Not like 95% of them. 100% it was. <laughs> so anyway, so you never did a prep call with anybody. Anyway, so Brandon, you've been a part of getting meaningful guests on the podcast. Already upset. This week, I was cold messaged about a podcast that literally had nothing to do with my title, industry, job function, role, etc. No link whatsoever. Also, no, here's why we want to talk to you. So please grace us with your knowledge on getting people into coveted talking spots that are actually relevant to your podcast. Wow. Where do we begin? Okay. I think a few different approaches you can take. One, half the guests that I did get, honestly, were just the easy, low-hanging fruit. I mean, John Miller, he hired me at Engageo. He was my boss at the You were always going to name drop John Miller. It was just always going to be a thing. Man, are you calling and, him low-hanging fruit? Yeah, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, guy, that guy, guy founded Marketo, and you're calling him low-hanging fruit. Right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Highly coveted low-hanging fruit for me. But yeah. like, right, that's that's super easy for me to do. He's not going to say no to that. But also I can, since I have a, such a great relationship with John, I, how about I ask John, hey, John, who do you think would also be a great guest for this podcast? He names someone. I Ooh, say, it's good. okay, do, do you mind making an intro? And then when he says yes, I don't go, okay, I'm going to sit back and wait for the intro. I say, great. Here is the text that you're going to copy and paste and send on your behalf, mm. John. Like, don't make John think and work. Right. Because... John's such a busy guy. He's an executive. He's not going to sit down, take 10 minutes to say, okay, what's your The, I the, the irony write? with John, by the way, is he would do it if you asked he him. He would. He's John, too, yeah, he's, John's such a good guy. He's such a good dude. He would, but you don't make him do that. Don't do it. Yeah. But he would. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so use your network. Use yeah. your network. I mean, that's a no-brainer. And then also a lot of these guests too. Like I, this is actually my fourth podcast, right? I've gotten guests before because I followed them on LinkedIn. I've heard them on other podcasts. And when I do that outreach, Hey, I have this podcast and I think you'd be a great guest because of Yeah. 
By the way, your fourth podcast and you're always the bridesmaid, never the bride. It's sort of not, but, not true. But, not true. <laughs> true half the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so super good. And, and I know Alec is pregnant with thought on this topic. But before I do that, Amanda, how did I get you on the podcast? Well, I think I messaged you once saying I loved the previous podcast. And then I just, I think I also, or that I liked the memes because, you know, nice. ops memes He's the meme are guy rare. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You have a very targeted audience, and it fits me. So. <laughs> so I had to say thanks. And then, yeah, you just asked if I wanted to be on the podcast, and here but, I am. But that, so the reason I asked is because that's exactly what I want, right? I asked you to be on the mm-hmm. podcast because you're a practitioner doing this every single day. And you've also messaged each other back and forth a little bit on LinkedIn. And so I am familiar with you. I know you're a listener to the podcast. I know you're equally desirable to learn as you are to teach others. And so it's a no brainer, right? Like you are, if you listened to my podcast before, clearly you have a link and it's easy. Right? I'm not asking somebody who's never heard of a podcast, right? So it's uh, it's an easy thing. And I think people miss this one at host because half the guests I've lined up for podcasts have ever been people that just messaged me and said, Hey, I love the podcast. Like, great. Do you want to be on it? Like, like that's right. You just look at the mess, like look at their profile. Oh, great. You'd be a perfect guest. Do you want to be on the podcast? It's so easy. And and I asked Amanda and I think you said, really? And I said, yes, (laughs) 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 but also thank you. Is this your first, have you ever done a podcast before? No. This is your first one? Wait, one, maybe? No. Maybe? Okay. I think my my friend, yeah, my friend was trying to do a podcast and I think interviewed me on that, but I don't know if that ever was released. You've been great. You've been great. Thank you. We're we're going to have you back. This has been awesome. But I'm I'm happy to return. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That's all we want. (laughs) As long as you're you're willing to come back, then we've done well, right? Like that. I just want to get to the point. Can I get to the point where I can roast someone? That's my goal. You you could have done that no matter. Or what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, the, 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 I, if you didn't notice, I, like there. every, I, I say two sentences and the third one attacks somebody, and then I say two sentences and the third one attacks. Like, it is just the, <laughs> sort of how the podcast so you're not, works. So it's not, it's not the compliment sandwich. It's like the straight no, I, attack. I, 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 I have to say things that aren't attacking because otherwise people wouldn't get value out of the podcast. So, but but I also like I don't have the ability to sit on a call with Brandon and not attack him. So it is it's the best balance that I can strike, Alec. Any, any extra, Alec has got, by the way, I, I think it's hilarious that this was targeted to Brandon as a question when Alec has probably scheduled like 5,000 guests on podcasts in his life. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, That's very true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, the easiest way to do it is, it's like, you don't want some lowly marketing rep reaching out to someone. Like, I had a podcast with, you know, an invite for for this podcast, for example, is going to be way better received from Jordan, who mm. is like the ta- the talent. You know what I mean? So even if you do type it up, like always have it come from them versus like mm. some producer of the show. Like you know, our, yeah. When it came from Andy on his show, it's way more interesting to receive an email from Andy than from me, and it feels like way more personal versus like, oh, what you don't have the time to invite me on your show? Exactly. Like, yeah. If you really want them to do it, it should come from the host, even if they're not actually you know yeah sending it super that's who it should come from super important note and and make it easy in that note and by the way it's also easy as a a host to do that so like i I invite people on the podcast i think i have 11 guests lined up it took me like 
a day of meetings and, and sending those like total time, right? Like eight hours to, I basically went through people that I wanted on it, sent them a copy and pasted LinkedIn note with a Calendly link that said, grab time with me. Yeah. That's, and, and, that's all you need to do. Yeah. And then you, and then you do the, the sessions and map out. The, it's, it's not a big lift. You'd also be surprised. Like who's going to say yes. More people are going to say yes than you. Oh yeah. Shoot your shot. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> everyone yeah. wants, everyone wants content, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the other, the other one I would add, like, like this, this goes back to when I was like just getting started in tech. This is my first podcast where it was me and the co-founder of Data Nice, Ben Sardella, who's my boy. Um, and like, this was when no one knew me at all. I had zero presence on LinkedIn and I was reaching out to the who's who in, in the sales world. And I, some of them, it took me like three or four follow-ups. I think that is one thing that like, me from my SDR days taught me is like, don't just send one email and then go, Oh darn, they didn't reply. Yeah. Follow up. There were plenty of times when like John Barrow specifically, I remember he's like, thanks man. I was busy. I'm glad you followed up with me. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy to be on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's super important. Don't hi- There's a lot of companies that offer to do it for you. And it's just like having produced a bunch of podcasts, every time I get a message from one of those companies that I can tell is like a PR agency. Yeah. Or yeah. Like a, exactly. A it's, guest an placement no. thing, it's like an absolute no. Like yeah. Yeah. you're not going to get any big guests doing it that way. So, so, so it, my, my two big learnings have been uh, one, one is if somebody responds to you, but says like, Hey, I'm really busy right now. Circle back in a month. They're never going to do the podcast. They're, they're mm-hmm. like, if they really mm-hmm. want to do it and they're responding to you, they'll say, yes, don't chase that one. It, you're just annoying. I, I've chased mm-hmm. that one many times and it's never worked out. It, it just doesn't work. Cause if, if I wanted to be on it, do it. Um, Amanda has to drop Amanda. Thank you <laughs> so much. She's like, she's like, please stop talking. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, anyways, that's enough for that question. That's a dumb question. I hated that one. Um, that was a Amanda, great question. Thank yeah. you so much. It was awesome to have you. Thank you. Amanda. Amanda. Thank you. Um, we will, we'll talk soon. That's it for this week's episode of the OG Ops Podcast. If you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you have questions for this week on LinkedIn, please send them to Anna Aldred or myself, although I, I will be looking at mine more sparsely these days. Um, we will have a website, which is mostly just a meme library because we have a weekly meme that comes out. If anybody doesn't follow that, it's pretty exciting. If you, don't, if you like memes, it's there for you. It's all ops all the time. And... Again, thank you to Gated for the sponsorship. Uh, super, super awesome. And I'm really bad at remembering the sponsorship stuff. So thank you, Gated. Hey, super you cool remember. Tool. Yeah, Check you it remembered. out. Anything I'm missing. That's it. I think we're we're back in the groove, Jordan. We're back in we the groove. We did it. We did it. We're knocking we the rust off. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you, guys. And we'll see everybody next week. See you next week. Bye.